Hey, agency owners, it's time for a new episode of the Agency Blueprint, the number one podcast for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling an agency to seven figures and beyond, while reducing stress and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, international bestselling author, agency scale partner, and founder of Creative Agency Success. Before we get started today, I'd like to send you a copy of our brand new book, The Practical Agency, written specifically to help creative agency owners go beyond the creative side and build systems to simplify and quickly scale their agency to $100,000 a month. Go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash practical agency to claim your free copy. And now for the show. Far too frequently, I hear I'm afraid I'm going to lose blank insert here key member. And I think I should give them a raise, thinking that the number one reason people stay is for money. To discuss this topic today, we have Eileen's Melendez. Eileen's has 25 years of human resources and business management experience. She has a passion for human capital and business strategy. She helps businesses understand the necessary tactics that will help develop, train, educate, and motivate their employees. Eileen's currently serves as CEO at HR Transformed, CEO at the National Public Relations Firm, and a a professor of continuing education for Temple University. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Robert. So let's dig into the topic, you know, that so many agency owners I know have dealt with. So to start the topic off, what is your experience in whether you believe that money or culture as the number one reason that someone will stay? So money is definitely on the top of the list of why someone will stay at, at a job. And, you know, we think about what does money get us? Money gets us experience, food, shelter, and all the necessities that we need in life, as well as the things that we want, the things that we want to acquire. But the problem is that as soon as you acquire these things, you want something more. And what can get you there? Money. So, you know, I kind of call it like throwing money at a problem. We can absolutely think that giving this person a raise because that's what they want or that's what they deserve is one tactic to keeping them at at your company. And that is a good retention strategy if it's what's needed and it's being rewarded for something that they've done, whether they've done an outstanding job, whether it's one of those like spot bonuses people give. But what happens when you give someone a raise for the sake of giving them a raise because you want to, quote unquote, keep them or keep them happy, it's not sustainable, right? So when you think about culture, are you creating a culture where the cadence is, I get a raise every couple of weeks or every couple of months? Or if you're rewarding them because you feel like they're a flight risk with just money and not culture and not experience and not value, then what kind of a culture are you creating? They're just going to have, you know, the expectation that as soon as I show some exit activity, you know, or some disengagement in my role, I might just get a raise because I know they need me. So what, what kind of a culture are you creating when you do that? So when you think about culture and money, think about what am I doing with the money that I give and how am I creating a culture of reward versus just giving people what they want? And from the business owner perspective, you almost feel held captive to this sometimes. Like, you know, I always have to give more or the market itself is paying more for this type of individual. But again, like the culture and what people walk into every day, whether it's virtually or in person or in a hybrid situation, 
are they adding value to that organization? Are you paying for someone to add value or continuously be in this position of being disengaged? So while money is absolutely a great tactic, are you really creating the culture of value, not just from the money piece, but from the actual human perspective? 100%. The thing that I think is quite interesting, and I will follow up with a backup question. Let's say that someone is disengaged, right? Because I think that that is one of the typical reasons that someone's like, oh, I should give them a raise, that that's that disengagement activity, or, you know, they're not, they're looking like they're going to be making an exit. So I'm going to give them more money to get them to stay. What does that work when they're already disengaged? Would that actually motivate someone? So disengagement activity is, you know, someone who could be highly effective in their role. They're doing their job every single day and they're doing a great job, maybe a fantastic job, but they complain to other people and they, you know, show up and, and do not give the right body language and it affects other people. So what you're essentially doing, if you're going to be giving that person a raise, the disengaged person, but highly effective person a raise, you're rewarding behavior that other people will use to model against. Mm -hmm. So if I show up to a meeting disengaged, if I show up and I sort of gossip around the company about how unhappy I am, this in turn makes me successful and gets me more money. So again, creating that culture of I'm going to give someone a raise that is exhibiting disengagement, body language and activity, you're now creating a culture of other disengaged but effective people. Mm -hmm. So with that person, I would have a conversation with them and say, you know, here's what I notice. Here is what I'm picking up in our moments together or in the moments where you're around the rest of the team. Or if you hear gossip, say, listen, I've also heard third hand that this is what you're saying. And I'd love to hear directly from you how you're feeling, because from what I'm getting or from my perspective, I feel like there's been some disengagement and I'd love to get you back on board and excited about your role. And if they simply say to you, I just want to raise, you'd say, tell me, what are the reasons that I should give you a raise? Like beyond the things that I see every day, like your work, right? Like I want to hear more because if I just give you a raise based on your work, then it just becomes a transactional relationship. And I want you to feel valued here. I want you to feel like you're contributing to the success of the business and also your own success in your own career. I don't want to forget about what this means to you, not just what it means to the organization. And I think that goes a long way with someone who's disengaged. Now, if they're disengaged and ineffective, well, absolutely not. No raise there, right? Like <laughs> we need to have the conversation of, are you effective in your role? And then how do we move you into effectiveness and then back into engagement from there? Hmm. Otherwise, the only place to go is out. And those are when we get into difficult conversation territory of having the your job is in jeopardy or it's such a, 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 a very bad essence that you're bringing to the table, even though you're effective, that this may not be the place anymore for you because I have no more to give. Right. So you get into that 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 difficult conversation territory when when you start to engage the person who's disengaged whether they're effective or ineffective super interesting and there are so many things that i feel like i'll have to copy and paste into the ways that i would communicate like you just phrased so many of those things so well you know the obviously 
from what you've described, and, and I think that a lot of listeners will agree that both of these components, both culture and compensation, are very important. But when you're looking at the entire sort of landscape of it, it's kind of difficult sometimes to see the forest, you know, in the trees, right? So you're like, which comes first? Which is more important? What impacts do I have? How's this person impacting culture? What am I influencing? So how does someone sort of take a step back and think about the whole picture, really? Very difficult to do when you're in the weeds. And I call it emotionally attached. When you are the one in the middle of the situation, the business owner, the leadership member who has to handle and make the right decisions, there's a lot of pressure on you. And that pressure then creates this clouding of the Mm -hmm. mind and clouding of the eyes. And so what you need to do is find yourself an accountability partner or a peer mirror, someone at your level and not someone who's a peer to the person that you need to kind of address, but someone who can tell you things straight without an emotion attached. So for example, Robert, if you and I were each other's peer mirror and I came to you and I said, listen, I'm really struggling with this. It's your job to say, all right, what role do you want me to take in this? Do you want me to actively brainstorm to help problem solve? Or do you want me to coach you to find the right answer? Because your role as my peer mirror would be, let me get you out of the weeds, but let me figure out a way to do it in a way that feels good and safe to you. Some people only want someone to listen. They've got the answer. They just want to dump it somewhere because the emotion is so heavy. They need to detach themselves from that emotion and put it somewhere. Or they are truly just at a loss of what to do and they want your advice, right? So like, I like to figure out what role am I going to play when I'm going to be there to sort of help see someone through those those weeds and see through those trees. So once you've established that role, if you're on the coaching side, you'd say, you know, what are some things you can do? What are the consequences? How does it affect other people? How does it affect the business? Is it sustainable, right? Ask those questions just to get them to the answer. Or I would say, you know, if I were you, I would have a conversation that looked like this. Why don't we role play that? Why don't we see how it comes out? Why don't we see how it lands? And then I can give you feedback on how you come across as a leader. Because if you are so stuck in the weeds and emotionally attached, what are you doing with that? You're going to unleash it on someone Mm -hmm. that you didn't want to unleash it on. And you're going to do it in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then you're going to regret it. And then you're going to feel even worse about it. So you have to find (laughs) that person that you can call up or get on a quick video conference and say, I need to just work through this. And that's, that's a lot of what I do day to day with the people that I work with is I'm not emotionally attached. So it's so much easier for me to help you see through those weeds and tell you how it's landing if I were the other person in that conversation with you Mm. than if I were to just sit there and try to figure it out on my own. As a business owner, you have got so many things coming at you. You've got finance, you've got clients, you've got the future, you've got your vision. You've got the thing that you built the business on that you now can't focus on. So stop trying to figure it all out and find yourself some help to help the emotions kind of set loose and to see clearer. That is such incredibly good advice. What I thought was really interesting while you were walking through that, it's like it's so interesting how we as humans will seek out and find the things that we need. I'd never really thought about or heard about this sort of concept of a peer mirror. But when I have like just I need to do an emotional dump, like my husband, poor my, my poor husband, Tom, gets to be that emotional dump. But then when I need to like, oh, I need to be coached through this situation, I need someone's advice on it. 
sometimes I'll go to him, but more frequently I'll open up Voxer on my phone and then talk to a peer group, mastermind groups that I'm part of and ask for advice and, and how would they handle it? And even sort of like, this is what I'm thinking about positioning it. And they want him, well, what about this kind of felt this way? What about if you were to think about phrasing it this way? Or like, why are you phrasing it that way? So that you can like even start to go through and not even recognizing that there are sometimes that emotional still dump that needs to happen even in those types of conversations as well. Exactly. And it's it's so incredibly interesting to see that, that I was actually doing that without purposefully doing that. You know, let's say that a listener in the moment is in a position where their culture is ultimately lacking and they can see their team members are disengaged or they're not engaged to the level that they want. I mean, we hear so many different things about culture, what should it be and what it shouldn't be and all of that, right? But I mean, largely, I don't think it's as programmatic as as people kind of make it out to be when you're reading an article. Like it's it could be so many different things. It doesn't have to be one thing. How would you like go about doing an assessment of yourself? I mean, I, I personally, I always point the fingers back at myself of like, what did I do? What have I created that has then fostered this type of environment first? And then look at all the different components that have added onto that and then fed off of that. So how do you do kind of like an introspective of what's going on culturally and what's the first step really? I'll start with the traditional answer, which is an engagement survey. I, I think that it's a traditional answer because you're getting feedback. What are you doing well? What are you doing not so well? What is something they'd love to see changed or different? Or how can we enhance what we currently have? Basic, basic questions that can get you an answer. The part that is a little bit different is, are you allowing people to give you information in its raw form without judgment? Hmm. That they're able to anonymously submit the truth without some fear of retaliation. You know, some businesses hate collecting survey feedback. They hate it because they don't want to hear about how bad they are. And me, I love it. I mean, I get excited. People problems, you know, like the garbage at work. Like, I love that stuff. Because what we want to see is, how can I make it better? There's a yeah. benchmark now. This is where you are. This is where we want to be. And the tactics around that is get the feedback and then share it and tell them, this is how we're going to do it. Don't just give them everything. These are the 20 things we do well. Let's celebrate that. These are the 15, 20 things that we don't do so well. And now here's what we're going to do with all of that. No, take it in pieces. Here are the top three things we do well. And now because we know this is how we're going to enhance this. Here are the top three things that you want us to focus on that we may not do as well. And here are the top, here are the things that we're going to do to fix that. And we're not going to move on to the rest of the list until we have gotten to this place where these things have been enhanced and fixed or, or moved to a better place. Because a lot of these companies just get this whole big dump of data and then they expect to, everything to turn around the next day. So that's, that's not okay. The other thing is, are you giving people an outlet, right? So the non-traditional way is, am I giving someone an outlet to express themselves at any time to someone at the company that they can trust, but that they can trust is going to move the needle forward? Because you can be an employee and be at a company and you trust, you know, maybe this manager over here. And that manager doesn't really move into a state of engagement for leadership. They're like, yeah, I know, that sucks, right? Yeah, I know, this is a company, we're never gonna change that. So you just have to get used to that and just deal with it. Or you say, listen, 
I've heard from these people. And here are my suggestions on how we can move this forward. Thinking about the financial impact, the people impact, profitability impact, right? Like, are your leaders who are getting this information from their staff members thinking holistically? And that is the non-anonymous way of getting an outlet for them, right? Finding someone Mm -hmm. that they trust and getting that person trained up to say, be an advocate for the people, but be an advocate for the organization as well, right? Like, Mm -hmm. can you find that balanced person? Usually HR is that person, but you get your HR people who are either very people focused or transactional focused. Like, I'm here to do your payroll. I'm here to do your benefits. I'm not here to, you know, do anything beyond that. And then you have your people who are like, oh, I get it. You're the best person in the world. And like, I'll take care of that and never takes it to management in a way that solves the problem. Mm -hmm. So you have to train up your HR people, but the outlet is very important. And then what I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of is a 24-7 virtual suggestion box where anyone can put anything that their little heart desires. And once you put something like that in place, Glassdoor tends to get quiet. Those outlets where people reach out publicly to tell you something that you weren't willing to listen to as a business owner, Mm. if you created this anonymous way of gathering information, and not just an anonymous way of gathering information, once you've gathered it, I'd love for you to publicly respond to it inside your organization, not publicly out in the public, but inside the organization and say, hey, we just got an anonymous post in our 24-7 virtual suggestion box and it was asking us about X, here's what we're prepared to do. Or if it was vague, say, I really wanna learn more from you. You can either come to me directly or submit something more and give me more context. I really am interested in what you're talking about. Once you start to publicly respond within your organization to these 24 seven virtual suggestion Mm -hmm. box posts, it is so powerful, not only to keep people off of the public forums like Glassdoor, but to keep them engaged because you are showing action, you're showing vulnerability, and you're showing an openness and a willingness to communicate. And that is super powerful for people to see, and that builds a culture. That, there's so many incredible things there. I really love the the 24-hour virtual suggestion box. I think that's so incredibly cool. I mean, I 100% agree with you, and and not just when it comes to people, but I think that so many people really are afraid of identifying the problem right? And they avoid finding that out, whether it be via survey or direct feedback from someone, we avoid the issue. And to me, that's half the battle, right? Is that if you know what the problem is, then the potential solutions become more readily apparent and available to you to then know what action you need to take. And whether that's an action you want to take or not, that then becomes the question. And then that I think is probably more the fear. It's like, well, think I know what I need to do, but I don't want to do that thing. So then they avoid finding it out. And then it just festers on its own, rather than actually fully identifying it. But then we have, you know, our own biases that are built into it rather than actually identifying it. And it's just so incredibly interesting. I think business owners not only find that to be a time suck to handle some of the issues that come up when it comes to managing people and managing the culture and and the money situation around that. Mm-hmm. Not only is it a time suck, but it's also the unknown. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of business owners get into the business that they're doing, whether it's, you know, marketing or tech or healthcare, whatever the industry is, they do it because they love it. Yeah. And I love HR, right? So 
I'm the person who loves to get in the weeds and do that type of thing because mm -hmm. I thrive in that area. I have resources in my brain from all the years of experience. And what they lack is the resources in their own brain because they're not an expert in that managing people. They're not an expert in managing the culture. But what they can do is say, I know that the issue is X and I need to figure out a way to turn this around in a way that works for me as a business owner to be authentic in how I want to run this organization, my vision for this organization. But you also have to enlist other people to be conduits of that vision for your people. Because if you decide that you're going to just ignore it and sweep it under the rug, it does fester, becomes this, this toxic thing that you are now going to have to handle even more. Mm. You're going to have more of a time suck because you have failed to create conduits for you and the organization that push your message forward. You can't be the only one, right? And as a business owner, we always feel kind of alone on this boat. We're kind of rowing this boat by ourselves sometimes. We're, we're mm. proactive, we're moving forward and the organization's sort of dragging behind us. Mm -hmm. So who are your people? Who are the other leaders around you that are gonna be conduits of that energy and yeah. who might even do it more effectively and more efficiently yeah. when it comes to the people part, that's not something you enjoy or thrive in. Yeah, so incredibly powerful recognizing all of the, like, I mean, just one sort of hitting back and like thinking about the fact that, you know, the emotional component of us as an entrepreneur and like how that impacts so many different things. I mean, some like little tidbits of things that we've done internally, like I was listening, it was another podcast called Superhumans many years ago, was talking about the celebrating failure. So one of the things that I started to do, because like I was starting to see like this fear of trying something new on my team. And so then I would start to describe and share the things that I tried that I just like hit a wall or I just like epically failed at so that I they could see, oh, okay, this is normalized. This isn't something I have to be afraid of. And then I saw people trying things new and coming with new ideas and it fostered that ability to do that sort of stuff. So like, how do you think about what is the emotional component that you would have in the business if you were to be in their shoes as well is so incredibly important. And one of the other things too is like when I would get feedback from some of my leadership team, I would share the things that they shared about me as a manager or us as an organization. So it's kind of like acknowledging that public 24 hour suggestion box that you're talking about. And then it actually started to create greater feedback loops with the entire team where they were more willing to share what was going on because we all have thoughts, we all have feelings, we all have impacts from what's happening in our day to day lives. And if they're not being shared, quite frankly, I see it as a missed opportunity for the organization. Now, you know, let's say that you have, you do have actual concerns about compensation. I mean, with we have inflation and changes in compensation happening and a lot of organizations, I would say, are thinking about whether their compensation is actually fair and the structure of compensation on their team. What would be the, the thing that in the system that someone would want to take a look at to make sure that things are adequate and fair from a compensation perspective? We have several great resources available to us now when it comes to pay transparency. Now there's a law in several states where any of the job postings that are publicly provided must contain a pay range. And some of them are pretty outlandish. It goes from like 50,000 to 200,000. I mean, that's, that's a pretty huge scale. But I would take advantage of the pay transparency in certain states and identify 
what positions I'm currently recruiting for in the industry size and the industry structure that I'm in. And I would take a look at that data. Also aligning yourself with other businesses that are doing the same thing that you're doing in the industry that you're doing it in and talking to those CEOs and saying, I'd love to create a share with you. Can you share your salary ranges for this particular position? And I can share mine so we could see if we're on the same page there. I'd love to create that strategic alliance with you in that aspect. So there's a couple of companies I work with on that. The other tactic is calling up recruiting agencies and just saying, hey, I'm not going to go ahead and work with you, but I would love to pick your brain. Can I take you to coffee or take you to lunch or can we just talk on screen? Because I'd love to have an idea of what the market is paying right now. And a lot of people forget about recruiters. They forget that these people are recruiting for these positions every single day and have a <laughs> lot of market data that they are not doing anything with. There's these companies like Robert Half. They do send out market data. And not everyone is in accounting and finance and HR and some of the administrative things that Robert Half might do. And they also have like other positions, marketing and things like that. But sure. you can really figure out in your industry. And if you're ever part of like a council, for example, I work with a lot of PR firms. So there's the, the council of PR firms, a PR council, and they mm -hmm. gather this data from all the competitive firms and share it with all their firms if you're a member. So there's yeah. also these memberships that you can be a part of because they're more specific to your industry. Lastly, you know, Business and Legal Reports has these massive, massive spreadsheets of data, of salary data across the entire United States. And I've got to tell you, it's a lot to comb through. And it's not as specific to your size or your industry. It's still a good benchmark to look at if you wanted some outside data of what other industries are paying. Because you always get a call from an employee like, I just got a job offer. It's $50,000 more than what I'm currently making. And your eyeballs just kind of pop out of your head like, I can't do that. That's hiring another yeah. maybe admin or someone who can really help with some of the reporting to our clients and things. So I would definitely have a more specific way of reaching that data. Salary.com and all these other places. Yeah, of course, you can look at that data, too. I get straight to the source. I really like the recruiter route in this question. Hmm. It's a good piece of advice. So, you know, we've covered so much on this episode today. And if you have a listener that's looking to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to get in touch? So the best way to get in touch with me is going to LinkedIn and finding me there. I have a pretty unique spelled name, A-L-L-Y-N-S, last name Melendez. So you can reach me there or you can visit my website at www.hrtransformed.com. And take a look at our content there and also some information around our Slack channel if you're a business owner that likes to stay up with the trends on people and the future of work, as well as some compliance data we share with our business owners on that site. Awesome. Feel free to check that out. I'll make sure to include those links in the show notes. And we'll also have Eileen's on the podcast again next week. So make sure to tune in next week as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. Now, chances are, if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now, then you may be feeling like this. Because I was finding myself constantly overworked within our business, um, constantly like too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs. So I didn't have the time to go think about how am I going to close this person or what I'm going to say to this person or what am I going to do with this or what's the next strategy I need to do. Now, of course, this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things. 
but at one episode per week. It's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation. So if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now, so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back, then I want to invite you to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program. I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I got, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell because if I don't sell, I don't make our I don't make our numbers, you know, and if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I char- typically charge one client a $3,000, anywhere from 2000 to 3000 Now I'm uh, moving towards only 5000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we wanna make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens, boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's gonna work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I wanna deliver. And yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program or go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash apply. Thanks, and I'll see you inside the program. Mm -hmm.